Welcome to the Kelowna Real Estate Podcast with your host, award-winning realtor, Matt Glenn, and top producing mortgage broker, Taylor Atkinson. Professionals in the industry, enthusiastic entrepreneurs, and successful investors. When it comes to real estate, we're all in. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the show, Matt. Yeah, I'm having a good time doing this. How about you? Yeah, it's been a blast. Today was a lot of fun. Yeah. We had so, Taylor on, not me, Taylor. Yeah, Taylor Muso. She's partner and EVP of sales and marketing for MLA Okanagan. Yeah, she's been around, born and raised in Kelowna. Been doing this for 15 years. Basically started when, you know, 2008, last yeah. economic kind of issue was going on. So nothing is new to her right now. Yeah, she's doing it all. Pre-sales, she has been involved in the resale market in the past. She's super clicked into Kelowna. She knows what's going on. Yeah. And she's been out to Toronto. She now works in Calgary, Vancouver as well. Like she's all over the place, really tied in with some big player developers. She basically takes it start to finish, like gives them a concept, works with them on square footage, bedrooms, just the amenity layout. So she's really shaping a lot of these projects in the Okanagan. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And that's a pretty cool position to be in. So today we run through some short-term rental stuff because there are developments that are going on that now have short-term rental issues. Yeah. And we just talk about the market in general and some investing and yeah, love her. She was great to have on. It was a fun episode. Yeah. Yeah. It was also, we all got to gripe a bit about the new rules and yeah. What we think should happen, solving all the world's problems here. Yeah. Give her a follow on social media. She's yeah. been pretty vocal right now and has some good content and educational yes, stuff. Yesterday, she was keeping the people updated on what was happening in the city council meeting. Yeah. She's uh, definitely worth a follow. Yeah. And just a great name too. So enjoy the episode, guys. <laughs> Second best name there is. All right. Welcome to the show, Taylor. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's a big time guest for us. So thank you. I appreciate being here. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. So you're really involved in the development community and the all the new projects coming up. I know you have a few. Big news lately is the short-term rental restrictions coming in the province. Yeah, so we're recording this right after city council meeting, which was yesterday, the 23rd. Obviously, live stream, a lot of us tuned in on that. I think the next proposed meeting, which is public hearing, is on the 21st of yeah, November. November. Let's start, Taylor. Why don't you run us through your perfect Friday? Like, what do you do? Oh, man. Do I have to leave the house? Like, <laughs> oh, it's cold outside. No, not at all. Shit, breakfast. I think you're probably leaving moves. the city at least, or at least yeah. maybe you're in the province. Yeah. Perfect Friday. I typically, I'm a swimmer, so I swim Friday mornings most of the time. Start off the day in the water. It's always the most pleasant part of my day. At the H2O? Yeah. Do you do the 50 meter? I hate the 50 meter. I'm a sprinter. So the 50 meter, I'm like 50 meters has never felt so long. But yeah, I do swim that. I'm usually there five or six days a week. So wait, when you sprint, do you just like sprint, take a five minute break and then do it again? No, like our work to rest ratios are surprising. Like you'll work for 35, 40 seconds, rest for 10 and again, Okay. like repeats like that. So, but it depends what you're training for. Yeah. 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 It's a lot of fun though. I've got a, I'm on the swim team. We've got a coach been doing it a long time. That's awesome. Sorry to totally steal the show here. I love it. uh, my six-month-old son's first swimming lesson that he's show tomorrow morning. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Please tell me that poor child is not in the 50-meter pool. Like, <laughs> it looks like it's the other side of the ocean. Like, stand on the side of the deck and like, there's no way. Yeah, it's no. So yeah. Like, actually, I guess I'm not writing the curriculum here, so I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I think I got to sing some songs, but yeah. I love yeah. it. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's great. I might be joining your son's class tomorrow. So after that, <laughs> when I'm uh, done my swim lessons with your son, yeah. uh, no, on Fridays, I do typically do a little bit of office stuff in the morning. Our head office staff doesn't work on the weekend, must be nice. And I do. So anything that I need to get out of the way with like head office in Vancouver or any of your team members there, try and get that out of the way early in the day. Then usually lots of client meetings, social, like, you know, coffees, lunch, dinners on Fridays. Try to get in the gym at some point if I can. Depends how boozy the lunch was. But Perfect Friday for me is kind of consistency like that. Like I'm pretty boring in that sense. Yeah, yeah, sounds sounds boring. Yeah, it is. It's like not that exciting, but it can be in any city. Sometimes I'm in Vancouver, sometimes I'm here, sometimes Calgary. I I work primarily in those three geos. So yeah, and so when you say head office, are we referring to MLA or Century Twenty One? MLA. Okay. So my license is still at Century Twenty One. I was a realtor with Century Twenty One for I guess my license has been there fifteen years. 
but I, the owner operator of MLA Okanagan, we're finally a licensed brokerage now. It took a while to get that paperwork through, but my license is still currently hung with Century 21. MLA, our head office is in Vancouver, and then we have a second location owned and operated by Brittany Reimer in Fraser Valley, and then I run the Okanagan division. But I leverage a lot of the staff out of head office, so I'm back and forth to Vancouver quite often. Yeah, good for you. I didn't realize that. That's good for you. Yeah. And you're local, born, raised, born Kelowna. Local, yeah. yeah so been doing this for 15 years. I switched more into development probably seven or eight years ago. And then been working with MLA for about two, two and a half years and started the own brokerage here about a year and a little while ago, a year and a half ago, I'd say. Cool. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. What does MLA stand for? McNeil Lalonde and Associates. Okay. That tripped me up too because I went like all like MLA, everyone thinks yeah. political. And yeah. No, McNeil Lalonde and Associates. So Ryan Lalonde, Cameron McNeil, the original partners, the founders of the company. Yep. Background of Boulevard and Mac Marketing. They joined together to make yep. MLA. And yeah, it's fun. We just work with developers. We're a licensed brokers, just like a Remax or Roller Page, anything else. But all we do is work with developers. Okay, cool. Very cool. Well, let's talk about developments then. So fun. Specific to the Kelowna region. People listening to the show are obviously mostly investors or trying to get into the market. What are the benefits of buying into pre-construction development, what to look for in terms of like what developer to work with. Yeah. Can you walk us through that process? For sure. It's interesting because when I worked in Toronto doing development, that's really the only way investors invested. You can't cash flow in that market. Yeah. Um, so they're really banking on purchasing, you know, a pre-construction, having it take five, six, seven years to build and looking at the equity growth. We haven't seen a ton of that in the Okanagan yet. There hasn't been a huge demand of development or not necessarily demand, but there hasn't been, you know, tower after tower every year, like the larger city centers. That's definitely shifting. We're obviously in a housing crisis here, we need more homes. So development and higher density is coming in a big way. And you can already see that with the towers now. So I think it's a really great opportunity to invest, right? That, you know, number one is deposit, put your deposit down now, and it's typically stretched out. So you're maybe putting five or 10% down now, another 5% in three or four months, and then your final 5% could be six, eight months down the road. So for, for an investor that frees up some capital in the short term to do other investing. And for a first time buyer or a younger buyer who doesn't necessarily have that full deposit up front, it gives them more time. Yeah. So that's a huge benefit of pre-construction that you don't have the opportunity to do in resale. And then the other is just the equity growth. If you're you know, paying on paper today, say $500,000 for your pre-construction condo, and it's not built for two years, well, the market in, in the Okanagan, yes, of course, it ebbs and flows, but overall, we've had you know growth in prices when you look at the long term. So typically, that property is worth more by the time you close. So when you, you go to close, it may be worth 600000 but you're still paying just five hundred k So you instantly have hundred grand of equity and haven't had to pay a mortgage, haven't had to pay strata fees, nothing. It's like a high interest savings account. It's a really great way to invest looking on the longer term as well. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. like in today's market where rates are higher, totally. it is kind of a nice thing to hedge if you're buying in pre-construction that's not complete for say three years. Yeah. You know, you can kind of hope that rates come down and then it's more affordable at that stage. Definitely. Um, so it, it is a good vehicle to invest in. For sure. We've seen a lot more people thinking about it that way too, as rates have gone up and up and up. It's like, well, they want to get in because they realize that the prices today are slightly depressed from what they have been, yep. but the interest rates are really high. So they don't want to close today. So that's kind of giving you best of both worlds. You get to pay today's pricing, but you know, you hopefully bank on the interest rates being lower when you actually close. Yeah. And how do you guys price it generally? Like, obviously this is a vague question, but are you pricing it on today's market? Obviously the developer doesn't want to sell everything now, or do they hold some back and then sell some in the future? But essentially if it doesn't close for three years and it's, you know, indicated to appreciate 5% a year or something like the developer has to margin some of that profit in there. Sure. So are you buying like a little bit inflated prices now and then hope that in three years you've, like you said, gained equity in it? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think that's dependent on the developer. So it depends what their construction financing looks like is a big part of it. Usually we're working towards a construction financing goal of a certain amount of the overall project. So let's say it's a $100 million build out. Typically, they need to hit anywhere between 65 and 75% of the construction loan value in sales before they get that loan. So while there may be a little bit of an increase passed on to the buyer at that time, they're motivated to get to that 75%. Otherwise, the project doesn't go. Yeah. yeah. So what they'll often do, and we just did this with Nolita, is we priced it very much at today's pricing. We're blended out at about 840 bucks a square foot for wood frame, which is pretty competitive to what you're seeing in the neighborhood. It might be slightly higher, not by much. 
we started at 780 a square foot. We started going up a little bit as we went. As soon as we hit 75%, we jacked everything up to 900 bucks a square foot because it's like, we don't actually need the sales now. We have construction financing, the buildings that go, it's under construction. So now the developer will just hold the remaining 25% of the inventory or 20% of the inventory that we have until closer to completion. You know, it's usually the bigger homes that end up going to completion, townhomes, anything that's going to be an owner occupied is more likely to kind of sit until completion. If you think those buyers, if they're downsizing, they often want to walk through, as you would know, Matt, from, you know, showing buyers around investors can see things on paper, whereas an owner occupier maybe has more trouble with it. So oftentimes the inventory that we hold back or that doesn't sell up front and ends up selling later on is typically an end user driven product. But again, I mean, like the pricing is usually fairly similar to what we are today on the resale market. The strategy on how we price and how we sell is all to do with the construction financing for the developer. So you're best to get in before you hit that 65, 75% sale yeah. to gain that margin for yeah, an investor. For Insider sure. knowledge. Insider knowledge, yeah. yeah. And you know, we do release it kind of differently. It's such a different way. And I come from a resale background. It's such a different way of selling. Selling, you want to you know get all the pictures, get the realtor tour going, everything on MLS. It kind of all happens at once. In pre-construction, it really is different tranches. Like we'll sell, and people are going to get mad at me for this, we'll sell 30% of the building before you even know that there's a building there. I'm getting mad at you. Yes, that has happened to me. Yeah. God, it pisses me off. Yeah, I know. What? That is so unfair. Yeah. Mind so you didn't meet more people and get in there. I know. So we, we've, we've done that recently. And now I'm one yeah. of those people. I'm like, okay. Because like now you're system. benefiting on it. Right? Yeah, I know. But God, it is. This whole podcast has been a leverage thing for. 100%. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, specifically, I'll name drop on it. Like Aqua. Yeah. We, no one could even you could touch get that on phase one. I got a unit. I'm <laughs> no, it's so true. You have to know people, you have to get in early and it is different in resale in that way Yeah, because we're trying to keep urgency up, but we need that volume of sales to get to the construction. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, yeah. So Emily got a ton of sales out of Socana and then, yeah. so you're in with Epic and then you get like yeah. that priority. So I guess working with the right person obviously gets you that. Big time. Well, shift a little bit. I mean, speaking about Aqua, so with short-term rental stuff, phase one is obviously falls in that category. What's kind of the temperature with developers? Like, obviously we have some massive developers, Kirkhoff, Mission Group, yeah. Cressy, all three of those I've named have projects that are falling within those short-term rental permits. Are they just furious about this? They obviously have legal talking to the city and stuff, not to disclose too much, but like, yeah, you have your finger on the pulse. Oh man, my finger is on the pulse and I am like, fuming Thank the you. pulse is going the pulse is going i'm flying I'm like sweating over here <laughs> yeah no i mean like i'm like i'm on both sides right because i'm working with these developers and i'm a purchaser as well so i like i empathize with both sides and i can really see it from such two different lenses the developers are not happy that's for sure they are doing everything they can both at a municipal level and provincial level to push back on this so you know mission group cressy we're all doing it i'm sure kirk office as well number one they are doing everything that they can It's tricky because I'm sure it's been kind of touched on already. We can work really hard as a city and as a community to pass these exemptions. And there's a list of 15 or so buildings, including Cabana and Aqua, that would fall in that exemptions list. And so, you know, the council meeting yesterday, I know we all watched it, feels like council's in favor of keeping those buildings as short-term rental friendly. They do want to go to public hearing and hear from the city I'm sure I have some choice words that I'll try and become more eloquent with between now and then. Get it on the gram. <laughs> we'll get it on the gram. <laughs> My head office is going to be losing it. I can already feel it. I'm like the, I'm the bad duck. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Then get shit done, Doug. Every time I tell them I do stuff like this after, because I'd have like a long talk before if they yeah. knew yeah. what I had to say. So like we are all pushing for it. I am hopeful that we will get those buildings exempt on coming out of this at a local level. The trouble is the province supersedes, right? So we can go through all this work and we should. And I think as a community, we should speak up and step up and the developers are, but like the province will supersede it. And if they come down with harsher restrictions, we're stuck with that. Yeah. Yeah. I know our our sales meeting this morning at the office was, everyone's all fired up going to the meeting, but you know, like how much can you do? I guess you can try and get some, what, push yeah like try and get the city involved definitely getting the city involved helping the city i think what matters now some people do feel like that like that's a good point is i had people reaching out to me on so many different like there's it's very emotional right like people reaching out to me like what are you doing what is cressy doing and also people like you know we should ban this like everything that you can imagine i've heard it i've had everybody yelling at me for everything this week what we can do and what's important and some feedback was like, well, Tay, what do we do? Like, I'm a small fish in the big sea. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm like, well, it, it does. Like, if yeah. we can do a good job at 
having our leadership in the city understand our frustrations, our fears, what we're feeling, you know, why we think that this is a benefit to keep in the city. And it has to be from a different lens of just, well, I'm an investor. I paid all this money and I'm losing money. Like it needs to be yeah. like, why is this benefit for the city? That's if we a can good do a point. job at really communicating that, then they can advocate for us at a provincial level. And I'm fortunate to be working with developers who have a big pull and a big push and, and my company does as well too. And so we can be that slightly bigger voice as well too, saying like, okay, hey, we hear you. We're understanding your fears, your frustrations, and like, let us go to battle for you and take that to the province and use our platforms to do that. So I think it is important for us to do a good job of communicating to the city of why we need these short-term rentals. Yeah. And what can we do to like solve the problem outside of it, right? That's my biggest beef with it is like, they're trying to penalize certain class of people, whether yeah. that's like small time investors or developers, like why would you want to scare off like great development totally. companies that have done so much to mold this city, but instead of penalizing, why not like generate more positive reaction with providing like, let's change the tenancy act a little bit. Like, yeah. why are we taking half months rent for security deposit? Why don't we do full month? Like, like incentivize people to do long-term rentals to provide that for to sure. gain more traction in the housing crisis. Well, it but. seems like we live in a city that explodes during the summer and we're turning into like a college town in the off season. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's almost like a perfect blend where we could figure out something. Oh, it's great. There's got to be a happy medium. There's got to right? be something to figure out where you have students, like especially with downtown campus coming in, you have students in the, from September till May or whatever. And then you have short-term rentals in the summer. Yeah. It feels to me like there's an opportunity there, but nobody wants to do it because the RTA is just For like, sure. you can't get a tenant out. Yeah. And then you don't know about the short-term rentals. It just feels like it's kind of fighting like against the wind of it. I mean, it was low-hanging fruit for the provincial government, right? Like, what, that's what the, it, yeah, like, that's what I said with Ryan. Yeah. Right? It's like, they have to do something. There's a housing shortage. Airbnbs and short-term rentals are in the news all the time. Mm -hmm. It's low-hanging fruit. Like, let's just go after that one. So I guess in terms of, like, you know, the ins and outs of, I guess, the profit margin of most developments, what you guys sell for. We can assume it's fairly small considering the risk they're taking. I'd love to hear what you think. Just guess what you think a profit margin is. Saying like 7 to 11%. What do you think? Uh, probably on the low end, like 5 and the high end, 20 yeah, so we used to... God, that's a big range. I want to change well, mine. I, okay, mine's zero to 100. Yeah. Well, when the market is going up, I was factoring in the market appreciation. Now, there yeah. probably isn't that. It would be going the other way, but that's what I was factoring. Okay. So when we're running our pro forma, it's like we used to be happy with like a 10 to 15% yeah. return. And if we're running it, looking at the land, are we going to buy this? Are we going to do it? Like we were like, okay, that feels like they're safe. There's some wiggle room there. But with the way things have gone, like DCC charges, have, I don't know, tripled. Yeah. His head just exploded. Oh my God. I know all my clients are currently calling me. Screaming. Wait, which one? Both of our heads. Yeah, both your heads. Uh, yeah. This is really confusing with two chairs on the show. <laughs> like, there's so much that's changed that we can't control the cost of materials, the availability. Like, interest rates affect the developers too, right? Like, let's not forget. We're worse because they're paying a little higher. Just flowing. Yeah. yeah. Like, our borrowing costs are like five to seven million dollars more than it was right yeah. so like it's crazy so now we're performing it out we're like if, unless it's 15 to 20 we're not taking the risk and at the end of the day we're probably landing around that seven percent maybe maybe okay we're both right we're both in the range yeah so in like that's a lot if you think about it that's like on a life cycle for a development and we're with them right from when they get the land all the way to the buyers get the keys like that's six years yeah yeah right like yeah. a lot if you're going through rezoning and all that could be longer it's like six years and not guaranteed and not guaranteed that's a huge huge well, which is, so it's a small margin like throw it in a gic and the developer can retire but they do it because they're like passionate and they want to be yeah the developer is one guy and yeah very very right. rarely is yeah exactly like we're talking about company here we're raising yeah. capital we're raising 250 300k at a time like even the big guys like kirkoff i know the gentleman that raises capital for him like they're bringing in small amounts there's tons of people involved so it's yeah. you know i hate defensive i do get defensive when it's this public perception of big greedy developers making so much money. It's like, you have no idea a, how hard it is on behind the scenes, all the risk that they're taking on yeah. all the upfront costs too, right? Like we're putting out 70, 80 million, like a caban, there's 70 million going before we get anything back. Like it's yeah. a big risk. Well, I guess, so my point to the original question was like, we can assume, and you can fill us in on this, like there must be a little bit more of a margin when you're appealing to a short-term rental market. Yeah. Like if I'm going to do phase one in Aqua as a consumer, I'm going to spend more money having the ability to yeah. run it as a short-term rental because you can recoup your costs a little bit more. Totally. So now that they're taking that away, like that's obviously negative impact to the developer, but are some developers just saying like, listen, the margin's so small already. If they start to drop the hammer on these kind of regulations that limit us from making money, like... 
we just can't do it anymore. And yeah. then that adds to this whole housing crisis. Like yeah. if they're not investing, who's going to build? No, that's just it. And that is a big, big, big factor of it. We don't have a lot of land left in the city in Kelowna anyways, that will allow for short-term rental, assuming like there are kind of existing, let's call it exemptions and zoning bylaws that we have, but even tertiary markets like Penticton, we're seeing a lot of development there. So Canada's is a great example. There's no way they would have hit the price per square foot they did yeah. if there weren't short-term rentals. So like that is a big part and like the construction cost for them is the same. So if they're saying, and I'm thinking on the development side, okay, if we can make a little bit extra here, we can afford to develop back in Kelowna or wherever, and it all evens out, but the margins are a lot slimmer when there is a short-term rental, it's higher risk. And we are paying as a consumer and I personally, and anybody else who bought in Cabana and Aqua, you know that you're paying a premium to have that flexibility of ownership yeah. and that's okay. Like I paid 500 grand for a studio. It would have been 420 if it wasn't Airbnb friendly. So like now all of a sudden my numbers don't even come close to working. Yeah. And it's not like, and you know, now I can just return that to the long-term housing stock. Like my carrying costs are three grand a month. Nobody's paying three grand for a studio. Yeah. It's like, that's not solving the problem. I mean, yeah. Ryan Smith came on a couple episodes ago and yeah, he did say like, well, it's still a revenue stream to have long-term rental, but it's not even on a short-term rental market. Like you're still not making as much as the media is making it up no, to me, no. but that's not addressing the issue of like housing affordability. He did say, yeah, like land is not like, it's kind of scarce in Kelowna. Mm -hmm. And Matt, you've talked about this before. Like what about ALR land? Obviously we don't want to touch that too much, but like, like there is a lot of vacant land. So if they can just come down and say, okay, no more Airbnbs, can they at least come down and say, well, we have some vacant land. Like let's like, put where's it the push pull, right? Like yeah. how do yeah. we both give a little bit? There's gotta be somewhere that they can give as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, like the, some of that land just doesn't make sense. To be yeah. Sitting there. Like I was just, I was showing units in InView, mm. like across the road from that land. And yeah. it's just, it's insane to me. There's been, no, I've lived in Kelowna. Well, I've lived in Okanagan my whole life. There's never been anything there. Yeah. We have a housing crisis. We're doing things like banning Airbnbs to solve it. Yet that is the city they're attracting geese. Yeah. You know, like it's like, it's amazing. It's Don't amazing. take away from the geese. Like, <laughs> they need a place too. Yeah, they got Don't all the geese. They they in the middle of the condo building. They're moving out to McKinley. Yeah. <laughs> geese are welcome out to McKinley. Yeah. Just yeah. Like, it just feels like there's an obvious supply and demand issue. But there's way more. We're the fastest growing city in Canada or one of. We're not building enough houses and it feels like we're just hammering on the developer Literally, and yeah. not opening up obvious land like this goddamn parcel of land on Springfield. Yes. You know, no, like totally. It's just got to be a happy medium when I think about it on the development side. Like, like I said, DCC fees have gone through the roof. And if they're complaining about licensing with Airbnbs, okay, like increase the licensing fee and do a better job at actually totally. enforcing that. Yeah. And, you know, you're earning taxes from Airbnb. Like, why don't you use some of that income to support the housing issue? Right? Like, I'm going to put my hand up here. Yes. I think they net $700,000 last year yeah, in like their, in their, towards any kind of housing initiative. Totally. Or like build an Airbnb app specific to Kelowna. Okay. I'm not a developer. I hardly can run a podcast, but like, <laughs> but like, would it be that hard? And they just become like their new platform for the Okanagan yeah. only. And you have to book. And then like, cause we pay a lot of fees on Airbnb totally. like, as like the owner, we've seen a depreciation on our asset just purely because the rates have gone up so much on Airbnb. Yeah. If Kelowna, took that over that'd be a massive revenue stream like right? they could get rid of those geese serious <laughs> i don't have a problem with the geese man Not we're the gonna rehouse the geese it's gonna turn into how do we rehome the geese like those geese yeah no i yeah. think there's ways to get creative that maybe just haven't been thought of yet that addresses some like multiple issues i think creativity does need to bring brought to the table here yeah. because it just is obviously the answer doing these blanket things all just just irritate people it doesn't yeah. seem to solve the problem and i think that would really help if like the Community is obviously heated right now, myself included, but it's like, okay, why don't we think of other solutions and let's talk with council about that and like propose other ideas and not just bang on their door and be like, we don't want this. It's like, let's get creative and yeah. think about other ways to support it so that when they go to bat for us at the province, like they have a little bit of armor, right? They got a little bit of ammo in the tank. Yeah. So should our listener be going to this on the 21st of November? And yeah. Like do you have to sign up? Do you just kind of like walk in? And I'm pretty sure you can just go. I think they're going to, it sounds like they're going to try and do at least one educational session ahead of yeah. that. So I would just stay tuned to, you know, what the city's planning on that, but I believe you can just go and have an opportunity to speak. And my recommendation, like I said, just be thoughtful about it, right? Just complaining isn't going to do anything. So like yeah. whatever you're complaining about, whether it's pro or con for this, like come up with a solution, come up with an idea, like let's try and solve the problem. Speaking to, I guess, smaller developers, are you still seeing a lot of like land play developments in terms of 
yeah, like tearing down five single family houses and putting up duplexes or fourplexes. Yeah, that's kind of where I started in development was doing some of the smaller stuff, the fourplexes and things like that. What I do like that the city has done a good job of, and I think they're trying to get even more creative of it. And you would know is like what there was the big fourplex push, right? Mm -hmm. The RU7s, you could do four units if it was over 50 feet. And now the city's even getting more creative. Like we're seeing some fives and I've got a nine nine unit going on coronations. Like they're getting more creative on how to add additional density to those city center and to those old lots where you have one existing home on it. And you are seeing a lot more of that now. You are. It's great. Honestly, almost all the requests I asked the city are immediate yeses. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny. Like, I wonder what the lag is for this housing crisis, because they kind of came out with that, what, a year ago? When was the OCP released? Like a year and a half ago? Just before the election. Yeah. Yeah. So we're only seeing like those products aren't even probably being finished yet to add to the housing supply. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't know, should we just kind of sit back and that naturally come or you just keep? We're still so short. We're short like 3,500 units a year for the next eight years, even just to meet current demand. Like, is that just not the new norm now? It feels like, like sort of sit back and be like, ah, like wash my hands clean of this. But I feel like everywhere across Canada, we're short. We're in this inflation market. Like everything's just kind of become, well, this is generally what it is. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not saying give up on it, but maybe we should like re-index. The- well, I think you have to start building more homes. Like, yeah. You need to build. There has to be at least something going on. And it's going to be density, right? Yeah, like, dense, this is density what I, is the key. I keep yeah. talking about is you're not going to see a new single family home subdivision approved anytime soon. Like yeah. it's going to be density no. and how do we get creative to do density? Yeah. And, you know, people in Kelowna, it's tricky because it's been a six story city forever. Right? All you see is these six story wood frames and yeah. it's like getting people's appetite, like accustomed to like, we need more density and like how that's great for the community and creating different pockets in the city. Then you always hear like, well, how is that going to work with infrastructure? And it's all those other factors. But we do at the end of the day need density. Yeah. Like the city's growing up. We're adults now. We're putting our big boy pants on. <laughs> like we're, we're going there. You know, like. We're growing up. I think we were talking to somebody about this. It's like the city's growing anyway. So you might as well plan for it. Yeah. yeah. Right. You might yeah. make it the way you want it instead of just making it the way it's going to happen. Totally. Right. So like I totally agree with that. And yeah, the way Kelowna is like the flatlands and then the hills. Yeah. Just way harder to densify on the hill. Right. So it's obviously going to come on the flatland and density is the only way to do it. Yeah. Right. So taller and more units per lot. So is it like as an investor, you are an investor. A lot of our listeners are like, is it still profitable to do land assemblies for smaller developers or even like group of a, like say Matt and I wanted to buy, you know, a bit, is that still profitable or is is. it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I think it's, different now your performance look a little different than they did a few years ago i think there still is profit there a lot of times and matt's gonna be like what why are you saying this it's buying land privately that's a big part of it i think a lot of time it gets listed and these like residential realtors and i feel like i can say this because i am a residential realtor at heart <laughs> they don't know how to price that land because they don't understand how the developer's mind works on running numbers and so yeah. you'll see a lot of these lots where you're like it doesn't make sense that that's three million dollars and it actually doesn't but there are a lot of great land deals privately or through, you know, commercial brokers, and they're still happening all the time. So I think it's buying your land smart is number one. Sorry, how do you do that then? Like, what's the private look like? We go door to door, like we assembled 17 lots in a row on Clement during COVID and literally went door to door and had coffee with the little old lady in 808 and and then you brought that to a developer? My developers, like they did that yeah. themselves. So a lot of developers will do it themselves, whether they have like somebody within their team who that's their job. But even if you're a small investor, like that's the way to do it. And we've got a really good tool with the city, like the GIS mapping system. You can see what the zoning is. You can see how big the lots are. So it does help you at least target like, okay, I need X footage, you know, frontage and depth. Now I can narrow that down on the map and know where to go and know where to target. And then it's just like, it's grunt work. It's going back to the old school door knocking days and pulling title and trying to find these people and figuring it out. And it's a little more work, but it's really oftentimes the only way that we can make the numbers work. And I can't think of a time we just assembled another three, five on coronation. That was all private too. Like I can't think of a time that we have recently bought anything that was publicly listed. Yeah. It's just different. Yeah. You're right. Matt's pissed right now. <laughs> yeah. My favorite kind of listings, land assemblies. Yeah. They're great. <laughs> if you want them to sit forever, because a lot of people don't know how to price oh, them. Not saying oh. that you don't know how to price uh, them. Honestly. Yeah. It's situation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, to keep going with the investor side of it, would single family houses then not start to see an increase? Like if we're just focused on infill densification, like would the value not go up in single family houses because we aren't building them? So if yeah. let's just say like as an investor is trying to buy right now, yeah. they're scared of Airbnb because legislation, 
pre-construction's an option, single family house maybe is an option. Like obviously you're not going to rent it. I guess what would you recommend if you were coaching some clients to get into the market and buy more property? Yeah, I think it's all about budget you have to spend and like where with what you have to spend is the smartest and what makes the most sense. But definitely single family is going to continue to grow here and to, you know, appreciate. Depends in the neighborhood too as well. So I think there's a lot of factors and it's not as simple as, well, you're investing in Kelowna, you have to buy this. I think it depends on a number of different things. How long are you investing? Are you looking for a long-term or a short-term investment? Is it something you're going to be using yourself? Is it going to be a rental? What's your you know comfort level with carrying costs and what can you afford? There's a whole bunch of different things to factor as you guys would both know too. Yep. But I do think like if you have a single family home in Kelowna you're, right now, you're probably going to be in good shape and proof is in the pudding, right? If you bought, I think my first house I bought was on Ritchie Court. I think I paid $350, Glenmore, which is a great neighborhood, $350 and it had a two bedroom basement suite. Oh. That home sold for a million bucks last year. Like <laughs> it's a 1990s, like peach pink 1990s house, like million dollars. Are you kidding me? So yeah, yeah. like it's going to continue to go that way with single family. Yeah. But is it like knowing that, okay, it's a million dollars today. Like where's the ceiling? Where is that going to go from there? What do you have to put in? So all of those factors I think about when I'm thinking about investing. And holding it right now. Like I think right now it's kind of, it's expensive to hold a property with interest rates and mm -hmm. the rents are just not, it's hard Covering to cash flow. It. Totally. The suite, you're not getting close. Like you can probably get close, but you're not cash flowing. Yeah. But if you can get to the other side of this, I think there's a serious opportunity. I think so too. I think we're in for a bit of a shitty bumpy ride for like yeah. 12 to 14 months here. And then we're going to be cruisy. I, I really do believe that. I, I don't exactly think it's going to be bad forever. Yeah. I've worked in markets all across Canada. I worked in Toronto, Vancouver, all of yeah. it. And Kelowna has this weird like little bubble effect where it can be a total shitstorm in some of the other markets yeah. and will feel those turbulence, but not often to the same you know, high or the same low as some of the other markets. Like we are somewhat insulated here. Yeah. I um, mean, we have been, and while we'll see the cyclical, the ups and downs, it doesn't seem to feel as dramatic or be as dramatic as some of the other markets. Yeah. Yeah. I've always kind of said we're, we're like the last into the recession first out. Yeah. A lot of lazy people with a bit of money live in Kelowna. Yeah. And that's fine. Good old Good spot to live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think so too. Like we're the fastest growing city in, in Canada Canada for a reason. Yeah. People want to live here, right? So like, I just feel like if you can get through it, you're not going to be in a bad position. I think so too. I did a um, speaking event to the, the Western Canadian Real Estate Conference a few weeks ago and yes, Tamara yes. Stone was there and she told this great story, but she had said at the end of it, just like, hang on, hang in there, hang tight, just hunker down, right? Like yeah. just hang in there. And you see that a lot with different types of investments where it's like people, as soon as it starts to get a bit rocky, they bail. Yeah. It's like, you just got to hang in, like hunker down, hang in there. Yeah. I think people do know that because we don't have, like with this environment, you expect to see a lot of listings and like there's some, but it's not a glut, right? Like it's not crazy. It's like, where do you go? Right. Yeah. Like, and if you're selling your house and you can't port your mortgage, where are you going to go? And now all of a sudden you're going from 3% to seven. Yeah. I just remortgaged one of my rental properties and I was at one eight, nine and now I'm at seven Oh five. So that was <laughs> not a good day to talk to me. Like, <laughs> so are you keeping that property? Yeah, like, I mean, I have some equity in it, but I am going to keep it for now. See, like, this is also a drum oven beating because everyone's like, well, when this happens, everyone's going to put their house on the market. Yeah, I'm gonna I just it. don't think that's the case because if you have a 1.89 interest rate, you probably have 30% equity from when you got that yeah. from when you got that mortgage. So, like, you're just not underwater, yeah. right? So, like, even if you are, you might be getting hosed on the monthly payments, so some people will sell, but it's not going to be a race. Like, it just isn't. Yeah. Well, if you want to, like, make it oversimplified, okay, we're in an inflation or they were scared of a recession. So you cut rates. So that causes an inflation. So your house just obviously appreciates. Yeah. And then to counter the inflation, they increase rates and your expenses go up. Like it's yeah. just that ebb and flow. So no one was like, no one was talking about this in the media so much when rates were sub 2% being yeah. like, oh yeah, we're making money. Like yeah. life is so great. Everyone just kind of thought that was the norm. Yeah. And now that things are a little bit more difficult, like everyone's talking about it and it's like, you know, it's a frustration, which it should be, but like, let's not forget people just made hundreds of thousands of dollars on appreciation and rent roll and like everyone was good. So yeah. like in like two years, yeah, yeah. there wasn't like a 20 year game. Didn't take a long time to make that much money. No, that's so true. And like now it's like, calm down five, ten percent. It's like, okay, but it just went up like 40. Yeah. So it's, I just don't think that it's, we're in that situation. I don't, yeah. And I don't think that this is going to be a long five-year crisis. And, and maybe part of the reason why I'm bullish on that is I'm still seeing our big investors. Like they're still buying land. They're still going on their buildings. We're yeah. still moving forward on everything. And maybe we'll get to the point where we have all the assets done, all the work ready to go to sale. And we just say, hey, we're going to pause and not sell today. But that's not a, hey, we're not selling at all. It's like, we're going to get everything ready. We're going to spend all the money to get it ready for sale. And then we'll just press play when we think it's a good spot. It's like nobody's 
trying to ditch their land. Nobody's bailing on the projects that we're working with anyways. And they're still like, they're still seeing at the end of the tunnel, like, you know, that there still is opportunity here. And whether some of them have changed into rental, a couple of them, but it's still investing in the market and still, you know, wanting to push forward with these projects. Did yeah. the GST thing, did that push anyone into a rental? Yeah. So we had three buildings. I probably had about a thousand units under contract that we'd started working on floor plans, unit mix, design, all of that. And we'd gotten four or five months into the cycle with that. Quite a lot of work goes into it before you guys yeah. ever see like a rendering or an ad. It's about yeah. 10 to 12 months of work. And we were about four or five months in with three different buildings. And yeah, the part of the GST, some of the city incentives, yeah. a number of different things, the developers decided to switch and go to rental it just made way more sense. And I think that was at the time where the interest rates were the most volatile too. And so it was like, we don't know how long the volatility is going to yeah. last. We're going to be ready to sell in three months, four months. It's probably not going to be a great time. Like maybe we'll switch to rental. There's a lot of incentives to do so. So that did push some into rental for sure. And you still work on that project because you're not doing sale. Like we're talking purpose-built rental. We can. So we can do lease up. Okay. We haven't done any in the city yet but we can. We do lots of it in Vancouver and in the lower mainland. So we definitely can support the developers in that. And generally, how does that look like when a developer wants to exit, they sell to an institutional investor that wants to hold it? It could be. So it depends. We have some development partners that will hold the building. They'll rent it out, lease it out, hold it for a period of time, and then either sell to like a REIT. Some of them just hang on to it and they're just portfolio investors. They'll keep it. Yeah. So it depends. But, you know, they can use it just like, think of it like a regular rental. You know, if you have it and there's a bunch of equity in it, you can pull equity and they can use that to fund other projects. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like a small rental, just on a bigger scale. So it depends yeah. what their goals as a development company are. Sure. We do have a bunch that will do, like they have a, a decent rental portfolio that they just hang on to. And are now like, obviously developers are much more sophisticated than Matt and I. Well, <laughs> but, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I would I am, argue that. Okay. I might argue um, but like thinking of Warren Buffett, fearful, greedy, et cetera, like are developers not just buying up everything they can because they know that everyone's like there's scarcity right now? Like yeah, you see them for sure. Some of them are. Okay. Definitely. Okay. So I need to buy more. Yeah. And it depends Honestly, on how well I, I agree. Depends on how well capitalized they are. But a lot of them are looking for opportunity right now, for sure. And then they just, like you said, do all the due diligence and then sit on it and wait to pull the trigger when the market supports it. Yeah. And in Vancouver, like we complain about the city here sometimes on how long it takes to push things through, but like, really, like honestly, it's so fast here. Yeah. In Vancouver, some of our guys, like we work with Strand, I think they were three and a half years to go through a rezone on a site. So imagine like you buy this property three and a half years, and then you have 12 months of doing all your work, like you're four years before you sell a unit. Like how much has the market changed and how do you yeah. plan for that? Right. How do you like try and crystal ball what the market will need or what you're going to do? So at least here, we're within a couple of months, like six months at the longest, you'll be able to turn something around. Yeah. So the life cycle is a little shorter. So they are looking at that here being like, okay, if I can pick this up, go through the rezone through the next six months that are kind of probably going to be still shitty and then start building out. And by the time that the market turns around, like they'll actually be ready, ready to go. So they are doing that now. It's kind of amazing for a developer to even buy that and not know. Even you wait three and a half years and then you get denied. What happens if you get denied? I was with them when they got that project approved. We were at Phantom Creek for a client to appreciation dinner. And I was with them in like the stress level to like the absolute like excitement. Yeah. Wait for so long, you push so hard and to get that through after that long. And you're just sitting holding that land, paying for it, right? Like, yeah. That's, yeah. That's so that's nice. so it gets crazy. approved. Then immediately later, it's like no short-term rentals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think wasn't yeah. in the room when that happened. So <laughs> yeah. I was just there yeah. high. <laughs> yeah. Well, you. It's kind of like we were saying earlier. Like developers get a really bad rap. But like you have no idea what you're going oh, to. Like no. you were fighting battles you don't even know or exist. Oh yeah. Before you get in there. Right? Yeah. What's the city? It's just north of Victoria. Langford? Yeah, we're doing stuff there. Are you? So like that mayor, I heard I heard him in a podcast maybe a year ago. I think they may have changed council recently, but like they basically said anything that gets on our desk, we want to have an answer like within the week yeah. and we want to say yes or no. Yeah. Like how can they operate like that? But every other city can't. Like Kelowna does a great job, but yeah, we look at Vancouver. I mean, their DCC fees are going up to like 240% by yeah. 2027, but like how can Langford do it? Obviously, it's a smaller population, but do we just need to hire more people? Like Ryan was talking a little bit about AI, mm-hmm. but like if that's the key to helping developers and helping this housing issue. Vote. Remember uh, Steve Johnson? Steve Johnson was like 17% turnout. Yeah. Like, come on. That's the city, like, city of West Kelowna. Yeah, that is not going to work. Okay, so we get out and vote. Yeah. What are we voting for though? Like there needs to be, hey, we're going to hire this many people and we're going to expedite all these processes but like it's easier than said than done but like 
Do you see anything on your side that is a turnkey easy solution? I don't know if I see like a turnkey easy solution, but I do like where the city is going with tech. And when I think about it, like Langford is a very small community. So like the volume of applications they're getting compared to Vancouver, not the same. So that like, I get that. I like to think that we're somewhere in the middle where we're getting a high volume of applications, like quite a few now, even just on the, the mid to low density, as well as high density, not as many as Vancouver, but enough to put pressure and stress on the city. Yep. But I think that I really do think that Clonid has done a good job overall of processing. There's always room for improvement. I think bringing tech in to help support sort of the lower level, the entry level to move things through will be helpful. Just getting clear on the OCP. I think that's been a struggle since the new OCP has been adopted. It feels like they've been quite hell-bent on sticking to every letter in that book and not being like, okay, well, you know, we're willing to bend here because we recognize we need density and we're not willing to bend here because it just doesn't make sense in this location. So just trying to understand as a council and getting them working together with what their overall goals and objectives are will help because the old council was quite good at that and they worked together a long time. They knew what their motivations were. And with the new council, it's just you're getting to know each other, right? And I think that's part of it. But tech will be a big part of helping support that. You can put 20 bodies in the seat, but it's going to cost more and take longer than AI. So we got to get with the times a little bit here. Yeah, yeah. I talked about this before, but that the previous council adopts the OCP and then this council has to deal with yeah. it. Yeah. And now they're sticking right to it. Yeah. To me, it's just amazing. I know. It's tough. Like, I don't envy the position that they're in. That's a tough position to be in. Like, they just have this big book that they're like, okay, I guess we have to do this. And we don't really want to color outside of the line. Then we're setting precedent that that whole document doesn't matter. So, like, it's a tough position for them to be in. It feels like for a mayor and council, like, is there anything more important for the city than the OCP? Like, it's got to be a top three or five things that you'll actually do. And this one just doesn't have any say. They just have to go with the one that already went. Yeah. I I just feel like that's kind of... I don't know what I think about that. I just think it's all. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. I yeah. agree with you, especially with there's so many unknowns and, you know, like you think the mill site and all of that and like, yeah. okay, what are we going to do there? And like, what does this OCP mean for that? And like, does it support the overall growth of the city? Like the plan, like there's so many other factors into it that, yeah, I, I agree with you that yeah. it's tough for them to just have to yeah. adopt that holistically and not be able to have some leniency or have some discretion. I can see you guys on council pretty soon. I think that's the turnkey solution. I'm just... already getting my house eggs now. I cannot. Are you serious? No, oh, okay. Because it's Halloween. It's fine. Yeah. 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 Also, what a, week. what a waste of eggs, man. <laughs> if it was avocados, you know you're living in a good neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about the toast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm part of like the big bad developer group, right? Yeah. Like we're putting towers up. Like yeah. we're terrible people. Yeah. Honestly, I was walking down, I think on Ellis, the other day with my wife and I was looking up I'm like man our city is fucking beautiful it looks cool it right? is awesome like no people don't like the towers like some people do yeah I love them I, I love it awesome. I think it's great and I think my favorite part of my job is I actually get a meaningful say in what that's gonna look like so yeah like, well we're designing buildings yeah. like I get a real meaningful say because you think we're working with developers from Vancouver or Calgary and they know how to develop they're sophisticated but they don't necessarily know what we need here so they really lean on me and my team for that and that is like one of my favorite things I get to do is have a say so that in 30 years when I'm walking down the street like it's something that I can be proud of that I help them build a, a cool building meaningful and whatever that capacity looks yeah. like right so I, that's I think I, that's I, honestly amazing yeah, I, I think that's, that's amazing that's pretty rewarding yeah for sure especially being from here right born yeah. raised here I get to yeah. help make a difference in whatever small way that's a great question you asked yourself. You should run this podcast. Like, why didn't we start with that? Like, what's the best part of your job? Damn, you suck at this, man. Yeah. We haven't commented that we asked nice questions. You do ask good questions. Yeah, yeah. nice. Great. Right. Thought provoking. Yeah. Okay. Speaking about questions, you got anything else? Yeah, I have one more. Okay. So you mentioned earlier, you think 12 to 14 months of these kind of higher interest rates, and then you think they're coming down, or you think we're just going to adjust? Like, what is the I other think thing? they'll come down a little bit. I don't think we're going to see the days of, you know, 2 to 3% anytime soon. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I'm sure you get asked that question a million times a day. I don't think that that's coming back anytime soon, but I will think that they will come down a little bit and then just stabilize. And I yep. think that's the ask, right? Like, the ask is just stabilize so that we can plan accordingly. I so think- buyers can know what to expect. They know what their payments are going to be. Developers can run their performance and understand what their costs are going to be like just stabilized yeah totally agree with you i think for the next year it's going to be like kind of where we're at 
maybe a little less, but then it's going to get down to three and a half to four and a half percent. And if we can just stay in there, yeah, it's reasonable so that prices don't go crazy with these zero percent or like one percent mortgages. But yeah, it is interesting because a lot of economists have been saying similar. And I say the same thing, like, you know, in 12 months, like we're projected to come down and, yeah. you know, you read the big five bank top economists and yeah. everyone's projecting the same thing. And then 12 months goes by and we're still saying the same thing, yeah. but I still believe in it because like we are heading into a recession, like, you know, GDP, like there are metrics that are pushing it that way. It's just if Bank of Canada is solely looking at inflation, which they are, then yeah, we're still out of that range. So they need to keep it at a higher rate. But I agree with you guys. I think it's going to come back down. I think in hindsight, the worst thing that caused all of this was that sub 2%, yeah. sub 3% range. We never should you, have gone there. That's what caused all You don't think it was the money injection? You think it was the interest rates? Well, that is the money injection though. No, they're two different things. Essentially, we were decreasing rates to hand out really cheap money. Yeah, to increase more deals and more lending. Yeah, like kind of goes hand, hand in hand. hand. Yeah. yeah. So it's hindsight. Like we should never have gone that low. Obviously, and in that I situation, think the, the hindsight, we should definitely not have stayed the low interest rates as well. Like, yeah, it's not even controversial. Yeah. They should have come up faster and earlier. Yeah. But yeah, I do think they will come back down somewhere in that four to five percent range is, is healthy. Everyone three and a half. With that. Yeah. So we've got a mortgage after renewal, so I'm going to go for three and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I think yeah. it's other... reactions too. That's yeah. Right? Like yes. It's causing totally. so much stress. It's the knee jerk reactions. Yeah. Well, there's nobody knows what to do. Bank of Canada said that they weren't, they specifically said they weren't raising the rates. So everyone, so just and then they went up and then you have these things like where you're building these buildings, selling them as STRs and then they yeah. change it before they're even done. They are like kicking everyone when they're down a little bit by this. Thing. Uh, well, but, we haven't even talked about the timing, like how like the market's down and then you come in with this. Kind of odd also. Yeah. That's and, like the uh, the rescission rule in resale, right? Like no more yeah. multiple offers were happening. A, like, a little bit late to the game with that. Yeah. <laughs> Slow on that one, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. they're not rescinding. Yeah. There's yeah. 17 other conditions they want to get through first. Yeah. <laughs> Wake up on Monday morning after the vendor and be like, I have got the solution. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's what it felt like. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's wrap this up. If you could purchase one property in the Okanagan, what would it be in the next 12 months? Well, I just purchased two short-term condos, so am I the one to ask this? No, you know what? I still like really, really strongly believe in purchasing pre-construction. I would probably look for something closing longer, so a concrete opportunity. Pre-construction, concrete opportunity that's got a longer closing date would be my go-to. And I would be open more now to Penticton than I would have been earlier. There's massive growth plans for Penticton. Nice. Huge. I think Penticton is an underrated market here. Like, you have two beautiful lakes. It feels like it just hasn't been served. Yeah. You know, like... When you go to Vernon, you can kind of understand where it's at. But Penticton oh, is like, yeah, they, you guys are hitting me on both sides. Yeah, they say like, should I invest in Vernon or Penticton? I would say Penticton all day long. Like Vernon doesn't really have the same appetite for growth that Penticton does. And you have, you guys Vernon, so, you have right? two nice lakes in Vernon. Like obviously not counting nice Swan stuff. Lake, but you have like the two Cal. Yeah. But the city is like, I swear they picked on the point on the map, which was the farthest point away from both of them. Yeah. Right. It, it's like they both not... take half an hour drive. Not half an hour, but like, yeah, you know, they take a decent amount of drive to get there. Where Kelowna is built on the water, Penticton's built on two different lakes that are beautiful. I agree. Like, Here's my argument to it. And sorry, we're this is supposed to be like rapid fire yes. questions, we're totally, but I messed that up. Okay, so love Vernon, great for tourism, great for wineries. No, I, there, I love Vernon, or sorry, Penticton, <laughs> great for tourism, wineries, but it's pretty far south. Vernon, at least it's kind of the gateway to the north in the sense of like Calgary, Kamloops, like it still has industrial need. It still has long-term growth for rental businesses can operate there. Penticton, I find is just a little too volatile in the long-term. Like if I was going to open a business there, I like I'd choose Vernon over Penticton. Interesting. I find See, I would think too. like the metrics are about 70% of the people purchasing our pre-construction are coming from Vancouver. So Penticton for them is a little bit closer. Right. Okay. Good point. Direct flight into Penticton to regional from Vancouver, as well as driving. Yeah. But Penticton's like appetite. There's a site that just got it through first stages and it's 1500 condos by the hospital. Like that's the city of center of Penticton. Like they're going to totally change what that area looks like. Yeah. We're working on two buildings on Skaha side. We've got a site on the Okanagan side. They want that. Yeah. Not seeing anything in Penticton. So I think that's going to drive more retail, more commercial. There's the South Okanagan Event Center there. There's a hospital. There's Okanagan College. Like there's already enough economic drivers to help support growth there. Whereas Vernon, I would argue, has less economic drivers. Okay. I agree. With Crushed you. me. I'm okay with that. 
we bought in Penticton and I have property in Vernon. So I'm hedging my bets. Somebody who can get you in early so you can be Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I will say the last point to this, I think you should also check out, like you said, hospitals. You should check out hospitals before you buy in a city. I went to Penticton Hospital for an MRI last week. Amazing. Really nice hospital. Really? Super quick. Got in there in a week. Really? Yeah. It was incredible. There we go. So why'd you have to go to Penticton? Kelowna's like it's nine like, months. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, it's yeah. way faster. Yeah. Well, the Vernon Hospital also has expanded the last few years, right? Okay. So we're undecided, folks. We really are. <laughs> and I think the Kelowna Hospital is planning on like expanding quite far down to Ella, I think, yeah, in the long term. Well, we need to. Push yeah. those geese in. For more uncertain advice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Taylor, what's the best thing you've ever spent money on? Real estate, easily. Yeah. yeah. Rental properties? Both rental and again, primary residences that I've turned into investments for another facets of real estate. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Best book or quote? Um, I would say it's okay to fail. It's not okay to quit. I have failed more times than I care to admit to. But I think one thing I've done well is I've just brushed myself off and kept going. Made a fool of myself, including here today. Um, and I will continue <laughs> yeah. to do this again. That, that was our intention. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. I think honestly, that is the key. Yeah. Right. You just, especially in our industry, you know, like the failure rate and probably similar in your industry as well, too, is so high. People just quit. It gets yeah. hard and they quit. Yeah. I got licensed in the 08 crash. Like, could not have been licensed at a worse time. And it was like, if I can figure it out now and, you know, survive now, then I'm going to be fine when it's good. Yeah. That is exactly what I've been preaching to the new agents. Totally. I'm like, just get through this and you are good. And you're going to be fine. Like, just get through this. Do the hard stuff. Do the things yeah. that you don't want to do. Do the things that are uncomfortable and difficult. Do yeah. them over and over and over and don't quit and you'll be fine. You can almost tell when you talk to somebody about their mindset is like, comes out more in times like this. Yeah. Right? Than it does for sure. It's super easy to get everything done. So yeah, yeah I love that. Yeah. All right. What is the best way us or our listeners can give you a hand, help you out at all? I would say in the short term, have a voice with the uh, short term. No pun intended, short term. Yeah. <laughs> in the short term, actually, you know, think about what you can, you know, contribute to that public hearing and, yeah. and have your voice heard and come up with some creative solutions. In the long term, just get curious about pre-construction. I feel like people aren't as educated on it in our city. It hasn't been as big of a thing yeah. here as in Vancouver, Toronto. So get curious about it. Learn about pre-construction. How can it help you build your portfolio and your own wealth? And what does that look like? Start visiting presentation centers, learn more about what's going on in the city. And yeah, get curious about it. Yeah. I think one note there, like we had Shane Styles on from yeah. Epic a couple months ago. And he highlighted a similar issue like, hey, if you do have something you want to say, like be proactive about totally. it. Go to these hearings before, speak with developers and council, like give your input. Like we are shaping the city right now. So yeah, get out there and speak to people like you who are 100%. doing that. Yeah, and Shane's very much in the similar seat as yeah. me. And like yeah. we're advising these developers on what to build and, and what the public needs, whether that's certain types of home or the retail that's going in the buildings, all of those things. So like, tell us what you need. We want to hear it. We want to know. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And don't tell me you want free housing because I can't help you with that. <laughs> if you could, though, man, you would be busy. Right? Yeah. Making those big commission checks that are selling a free house. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's been awesome. Been awesome talking to you, Taylor. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you so much. This show was so much better having two Taylors. Right? Oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Need a mat? Yeah, I don't think so. Two T's? Yeah. yeah we're taking over. Yeah, sure. Bats are more common or Taylor's? I guess Taylor's can be. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> there you go. More uncertainty advice. <laughs> we have doubled down on Matt's because we had Matt Grant. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, so 50 50 split at this yeah, point. Riveting. Yeah. yeah. Really good information here, guys. So you did tell us we asked good questions. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Kelowna Real Estate Podcast. Be sure to reach out and let us know how else we can add value to your Kelowna real estate journey. Please show some support by hitting the like, share, and subscribe button. This is sponsored by Matt Glenn Real Estate and Taylor Adventure Mortgages.